Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Uh, I typically am Saturday nights is when I hop on Locker Room. I've talked to a few fans on there. Uh, I mentioned my last big talk was with an Indians fan in the Carolinas, and we ended up spending a bunch of time talking about Alex Ramirez, if you remember him. I remember him as I was a child who was very excited to get his autograph back in the Canton Akron days. But you get to go down fun tangents like that over on the locker room app. Uh, on today's show, sorry, mental moment there. Of course, we're going to talk about the Bowers trade. Uh, I know a lot of fans are like, why would anyone want to acquire Bowers? Why did Seattle give up something? Uh, why were they not willing to wait and see if we'd pass through waivers? They placed enough of a valuation on him to jump the line. So we'll talk about that. We'll dive into where we left on yesterday's show, where I was taking some trade ideas from listener Nathan Kingsley. We'll talk about uh, the Pirates, who are the team we were discussing on yesterday's show. And then uh, the Mad Thinker uh, sent me a list with the information because I was curious about the breakdown of when I noticed in yesterday's game that... Uh, Having a, that Jimenez was the second baseman and Gabriel Arias was the shortstop. How often is that happening? What's the breakdown? So we do have that as well. And then if we have time, we're just going to dig into some double A numbers because a lot of players are playing really well. We talked about the struggles in AAA, which is it's interesting from the perspective that AAA is a great hitters park. So you expect the pitchers to struggle a bit. You expect the hitters to do really well. Double uh, A is a fantastic pitchers park. And you're having a lot of hitters really have great early seasons there. So we'll dive into all that. But let's start with Jake Bowers. So Bowers is weird for many a reason. Uh, one, his OPS, OPS pluses, and slugging percentage on base, not his batting average, but all those other categories declined every single year he was in the big leagues. Now, he debuted in, back in 2018 at age 22, had a 94 OPS plus. That's really good for a 22-year-old. Uh, now, most of that was during one hot stretch. Uh, he kind of struggled in between that hot stretch, but you know, he was a top 50 prospect at the time. There was no reason to think that uh, he wasn't going to continue to get better at 22. Comes to Cleveland, and it's not great. 226, 312, 371, OPS plus of 77, 683 OPS overall. Now, that looks phenomenal compared to this year, where he was 190, 277, 280, 557, 55 OPS plus. So what's happening? Well, it's a little bit weird. You know, we, we talked about in yesterday's show, the idea that like Ty O'Neill, Jose Ramirez, a lot of players, it is not a direct route to the big leagues. You go up, you go down, you work it out. You kind of build on that experience and continue to get better. Bowers had those two years where he was kind of thrust into a starting role. And then for some reason in 2020, he didn't get any opportunities. He came in in 2021 knowing he was essentially there to prove it. And you can just tell by looking at the numbers, like he had been more effective when he was younger. Why was he so ineffective? He was pressing, uh, and the pressing affected him. Now, the problem is, over those seasons, he just hasn't been good enough to be a major league player. He's got a negative .7 war, but he is 25 years of age. He didn't play at all in the big leagues in 2020. Uh, at age 22 and 23, he was not a bad player. And if you look at him as a guy who moves through the minors quickly, has been very successful in the minors throughout his career, Go back to, you know, he was the 45th ranked prospect by Baseball America before the 2018 season. 
That's when Cleveland acquired him. What did he do that year? Well, in AAA, he hit 279, 357, 426, 784. So that's a thing. His his OPS is in the minors uh, for his whole career were 775. Why is that? He he hit some home runs, but his slugging always kind of left a little bit to be desired. Kept expecting power was going to come at some point. Always had a good eye, and he was always extremely young for the level. For instance, that year at Durham, he was four and a half years younger than the league average. Uh, he went up to Tampa. You go back to 2017, the year before that, where he hit 263, 368, 412 for 779 OPS uh, with 20 stolen bases, 13 home runs, 31 doubles. He filled up a box score, and he was uh, almost six years younger than the league average, also a AAA there. So he was never great, but he was consistently good. And if you think you can get close to a league average bat, uh, Seattle just lost Evan White, who, you know, they gave that big contract to before he, not big, but relative to what you see a player who has no big league experience get. They need a first baseman. They can give Bowers a chance. He was solid in the minors. He really has had, he's had a lot of plate appearances, but he hasn't had a lot of chances. It, it's been weird. He was essentially thrust into a role with Tampa and they didn't have anyone else. And when he struggled, he just was stuck there. And then in Cleveland, it's the same thing. And he was stuck there and then he didn't get any chance because of a weird year. And then he got, uh, he just wasn't performing this year. So I, you can understand why a team's willing to take a chance here. Uh, I, I'm not as bullish as I would be on say a Jose Ramirez or a Ty O'Neill who, you know, we talked about before and on yesterday's show, because both those players showed at one point, above average skill. They both performed higher than the league average. And Jake Bowers has never done that. So, you know, there is that point of it. Uh, we'll see. Sometimes players develop late. I mean, you know, the Indians have such a history of guys getting away and playing better. Urshila, Aguilar uh, come to mind. But there's more than them. I know I'm blanking on, on names right now uh, that I should be able to just sit there and, and talk about. But... They've had a lot of guys leave and then, you know, find another gear, uh, find an ability to play. Uh, you know, I talked about if you want to go all the way back to December, the Rule 5 draft, the Indians have lost a lot of talented players over the years to the Rule 5 draft, most notably of late Anthony Santander and Hector Rondon. Both guys, I mean, Rondon was on that Cubs team that beat him in the World Series and was, a you know, their eighth inning setup guy. And Santander's looked like, at points, one of the better young outfielders uh, in the American League. And that's just in the last 10 years, where the Indians in the Rule 5 draft have never even gotten a player in the whole history of the darn thing uh, who's been an average regular. So in the past 10 years, the Indians have lost two very talented players, but in 50-plus years, they couldn't even find an average regular from it. Like Trevor Steffen has had his struggles, but he still has a chance to be the greatest Rule 5 selection in team history because it's not a high uh, hurdle to clear. Again, you can go back and find where I, I profiled like the five guys who are the most successful rule five picks of the Indians. It's just things like that. It's the weird history of the Indians where, you know, every team lets players go. We benefited from Casey Blake, never getting a chance with the Dodgers. Uh, if I go through this roster right now, quickly off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone who is someone that we, uh, was undervalued by another organization, uh, unless you want to look at someone like Brian Shaw, but that's not really what we're talking about. Uh, but it feels like the Indians, you know, it's like you can go back to Brandon Phillips, where he had an issue with the manager, and that's why he never really got his chance. Uh, also, you know, wasn't 
probably as good as people sometimes think. Go check the career. At his peak, he, he wasn't as good as you think he was. He was a fine second baseman, uh, but he wasn't like a star star. You know, Jeremy Guthrie was another one of those guys that always come up, but he was so weird because he was he completely fell apart at AAA. Uh, I could never blame them for letting him go because he just it wasn't there at that point in time. But it feels like the Indians have a higher percentage of those type of situations of those players who get away and perform better elsewhere. And that could just be me being a fan of the Indians and paying more attention. But again, I go back to that Rule Five data and I go back to other places. And is that all? Say, does this all come together and mean? Uh, Bowers is going to be the next great thing. Absolutely not. Like the, the history that I would bet against him being league average, you know, I would bet against him turning into an average starter just because he's got three years of data now where he hasn't done it, but you always have to pay attention. You always have to wonder, and you always have to look at that stuff just because uh, the history is there. Again, the Indians had really bad luck when it comes to evaluating uh those players at the fringe of the roster. And I don't even know if it's evaluation that you want to blame with it. I think it could just be, they've had bad luck in general with that. There's, you know, Giovanni Shirla or Shilla, Jesus Aguilar. These are guys who were let go by multiple teams. It wasn't like the Indians just missed there. Multiple teams, let them go just for fun. If I go down on Jake Bauer's baseball reference page, most similar players by age, Andres Mora, Kurt Motten, Jeffrey Marte, I remember him, former top prospect, didn't turn into anything. Danny Walton, Jake Jones, Ken Gerhardt, Joe Bowker, Ryan Rua, Preston Tucker, another former top prospect who didn't do much, and Ryan O'Hearn, who I believe is with Kansas City right now. The only thing where he really was good was uh, that 20... Uh, th- th- I'm sorry, this year. So far this year, he was an excellent defender. Uh Range factor, he was first. Uh, fielding percentage first. And total zone runs, he was fourth. So, so far this year, he's been a A-plus defender at first base. So that could also be a reason why Seattle wanted to add him rather than go another route. But enough about Jake Bowers. <laughs> we'll be back this weekend. Uh, we just can't get away. We can't quite quit him on this podcast or on uh, with when it comes to the Indians in general. Quickly, uh, I mentioned that... Mike Bobo, the mad thinker, sent me an information where he's been tracking where everybody plays every week. So the question about uh, the shortstop for second base in uh, AAA, so far this year, since Andres Jimenez was sent down, he has played 10 games at short and five at second. Uh, well, Gabriel Arias has done seven at second, six at third, and 15 at short. Now he has been down there longer. But it is interesting that the Indians are, looks like, essentially splitting shortstop between the two players, giving them kind of an even level in terms of where they have them playing. What is also interesting is Nolan Jones, for all the talk about his future position, he has played in 26 games, 19 of them third base, five and right, one in at first. I know he had some struggles, so maybe they were hoping to you know, let him play a position he's more familiar with and he would perform well. Or, I mean... Let's be honest. Jose Ramirez has probably got a year left with the organization max, maybe 13 months. Uh, So the thought process is, you know, if Nolan Jones is still developing in the minors, by the time they look to promote him, Jose Ramirez may not be here anymore. So, I mean, that's just just the truth of the matter. It may not be what people want to hear, but it's we're Indians fans. By now, we should be used to the idea that uh, talented players get traded well before their contract is up to maximize the value and the return. So before we dive back into those trades, 
uh, that Nathan sent me uh, that we started on yesterday's show. Let's take a second, talk about our fantastic sponsors. We're going to talk about sports trade here. Uh, I've been talking about them a lot lately. If you haven't heard about it, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's no wonder this company is blown up. The site is really amazing. I frankly can't believe nobody else has thought of this concept before. Sports trade truly takes fantasy to the next level. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite player, just like real stocks. It's a fair and super exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. They just added baseball to the platform, so be sure to check it out. Basic idea here is supply and demand. So you can make money when your players are playing well. You can also make money when your player goes from low value to high. I always talk about with this product, if you could have bought Shane Bieber before his promotion, you'd be rolling. If you could have got Jose Ramirez when he was sent to the minors, it's another great example. Uh, after the first half of the show, maybe it's Jake Bowers, but whoever it is, it's the idea that you want him to perform, but you also want to try to find that diamond in the rough. Uh, you can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports training. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. I really think you'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the action at sportstrade.com. So as I had mentioned, we are going to Nathan, uh, who has been a longtime listener to the show, and I've talked to uh, about the show. He's a very smart guy, has some interesting ideas. And we were talking about Brian Reynolds yesterday on the show, and he talked about Tyler Anderson as a maybe a throw-in because the Indians' pitching staff is atrocious. Uh, the one thing I'll say is when I went over to the Trade Simulator site, the this is BaseballTradeValues.com. It's basically the idea of taking a specific dollar value assigned to uh, a perceived future war value. So it's taking what you think their war, how many wins are going to be worth, and assigning what we know right now, you know, I don't know specifically what the value view is, but then you also have to consider things like the salary, all that stuff comes together. So with 3.7 years of control left in uh, Brian Reynolds, he's worth 34.8. That's a really high value. Uh, only Cabron Hayes is higher on the Pirates, to give you an idea on the Indian side of things. I believe the Indians only have two players of a higher valuation than that. I believe it is just, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Ramirez and Bieber. Zach Plesak is barely above that. And Ty Freeman, they've really shot up here. Uh, we'll talk about him later in the show. So yeah, the Indians don't have a lot of guys. I mean, Savali's below that. Fran Reyes is below that. Tristan McKenzie, James Karinchak. Everyone's lower. So you're running in this situation where I don't think that uh, they can add Brian Reynolds, long and short of it. Uh, he's having too good of a year. He's worth too much value. Even if you sat there and tried to make a deal with all those 40-man pieces that they need to trade, the Rocoios, the Tenyas, the Aaron Brachos, it, you know, it, maybe you could, like, uh, you, you're going to have to trade those three plus more. Uh, I mean, those three alone are only going to get you to something like the mid-20s, I think, in value. So you're looking at more beyond that. That's going to be hard. I did want to point out the other player I talked about who intrigued me, if you're going to chase a, a Pittsburgh Pirate, JT Brubaker. Uh, now, this is my Akron bias showing, uh, being born and raised in the city of Akron, my grandfather being 
president of the alumni association at one point in time there. Uh, it's a program I grew very familiar, grew up around in and became very familiar with as a kid, just uh, everything tied to the university of Akron and JT Brubaker. I got to see pitch and that was the final year of the Akron baseball program. It was folded after that. It has come back. This is year two in its return, but Brubaker was the, I want to say he's the first Mac player chosen uh, in his draft class. And he got well over $500,000 and he's looked really good this year. Uh, I talked about his numbers on the show yesterday. He has 4.7 years of control. He is 27. So he is older than Brian Reynolds. Maybe there's a world where they consider trading him. Maybe that's something the Indians should look at. A 12.1 in value is kind of similar to trading someone like Rocoyo. And again, right now with the Indians in pitching depth, you know, we're assuming McKenzie will probably just get his position back as he's starting to pitch well again. And when Plesak gets healthy, you add that to Savali and Bieber. But I mean, Morgan Moss, I those aren't guys I'm feeling super comfortable with. Mejia is not. I mean, he made that big jump. Quantrell. Every time they try to make him a starter, it's not worked. He might be just a guy who works best out of the pen. In general, the starting pitching has been just an out-and-out disaster. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it's really handcuffing this team. You know, we talked about trading from a strength for years. Well, they just trade away too much. It's now they don't have anything left. And when you look at their top prospects, there isn't pitching anywhere near. You know, that's that's not really. It's the pitching that's near are players like Co- uh, Cody Morris, Joey Cantillo, uh, both of who are hurt. Morris is kind of more of a helium sleeper type. Cantillo was part of that. And I think a significant part of the Clevenger deal, but they don't have a lot of pitching right away. So adding someone like Brubaker with multiple years of control, that might make sense. And that might be something where you look at that pirates team that every single trade they made was about ceiling and upside. Uh, you know, I know people love Rocco. I know people love Braccio, but if you're going to get a guy who, is pitching well, you're going to have to trade something like you just, no one ever wants to give up anything. Uh, it, it always comes up. It's always an issue. Whenever I put together any type of trade package, I'm always overpaying in Indians fans minds, but Brew Baker, just to give you an idea this year, a FIP of three, five, three, uh, you know, if you look at more traditional stats I and mean, Ricardo Rodriguez, the closer is the name who comes up more often than not. Uh, he, but Brubaker is the starter and he is 27 years of age. And you look at the more traditional stats, uh, 390 ERA, uh, the FIP I meant, or his FIP is a 424. The XFIP is a 353 over nine, stri- over nine strikeouts per nine, under two walks per nine. One of those guys that he fits the Indians profile and you get him with a lot of years of control. So that, that might be more the guy to look at with the pirates. That's just what I put there because I, again, I think pitching is a huge need. Uh, he mentions Nathan does Kettle Marte with Arizona. Uh, I know Zach Meisel over the athletic has talked with the Arizona people and they thought for sure that, uh, that they couldn't, that he's not tradable, that they're not looking to move on from him in Arizona. Now, when I talk to the Pittsburgh people, you know, it's the same thing I got there. No one thinks that anyone's going to get traded. The Diamondbacks are bad, like, and they're kind of a disaster. Uh, they're in a situation where they have, you know, a lot of interesting players, uh, but they're not performing well. And 
you know, the parts and pieces aren't coming together well. Now, I, I don't think, again, Kettle Marte is on the move. He was a potential MVP candidate just a few years ago. And I think they, with the contract, I believe he assigned being extremely club friendly uh, through 2024, five years, 24 million. They, there's nothing to behoove them to move him. Uh, he has been, you know, a seven war in 2019. Last year down to 0.4. This year he's got a 160. His runs created plus this year is actually higher than it was in 2019 to, to give you an idea of how well he is playing. So, but Arizona is still a team to talk about because of, I'm going to mention a few names. Uh, I feel like I've been chasing Eduardo Escobar for a few years now. Uh, he has, he'd be a rental though. I don't know how much the Indians would be in the market for a rental. And he is the third baseman. He can play some other positions. He was play, uh, playing better earlier in the year, but he is 99 WRC plus. So he's about a league average bat. And then honestly, the Indians should consider calling Arizona about Astrubal Cabrera. Uh, before you laugh me out the room, let's just talk about his runs created plus going back to 2015 when he left Cleveland. So 2015, he's at a 104. Next year, 120, 111, or I'm sorry, 112, then a 111, 98, 96. This year he's at a 127. This is my way of saying he's been consistently a league average or better bat for six years in a row now, even though he has uh, been in the later part of his 30s. Defensively, he's not great, but offensively, he can still hit. Like, you could bring him home. It would be extremely cheap to add Astrubal Cabrera. He is, they could trade one of those borderline, I, I mean, honestly, with the way the D- Diamondbacks are right now, you might be able to get him for just the cost of eating what little salary he makes. Uh, they're they're not going to sit there and hold tightly on a uh, a shortstop slash second baseman who's thirty five years of age, uh, and yeah, he makes one point eight million this year. Essentially, that might be the guy. Uh, the like I said, the valuation. I was curious to look over on the. Uh, the trade value site, and they say that uh, why can't I find him? 0.2 war. So if I were to just jump over to the Cleveland side of things on that to, to discuss the other way, uh, you know what a valuation of 0.2 would cost you. I have to essentially go to like page two or three to look this up. It's very low. Uh, 0.2 prospect. So they value a 0.2 to be uh, Oliver Perez who's currently in the minors, uh, Phil Maton, Mota, the reliever, Victor Nova, who was the, we've talked about on the show. I'm sorry, Nova and Mota are point threes. Uh, let's see. So it's Alex Call and Kirk McCarthy together would equal that. They're both point ones. Uh, long and short, it's very cheap. It, it's not like that is a huge cost to get to add. And he, you know, he's continued to be a everyday player. And again, it's a monetary price that fits in with what the Indians can afford to pay right now. Uh, Carson Kelly, uh, Nathan also brought up, I just think with him being 26 uh, and catching being so hard to get, they're not trading him. But Estrubal Cabrera, uh, who is 35 and makes $1.8 million and has had that history of, of playing, and I, uh, playing very well, I should say. And the other guy in Arizona, honestly, would have been Cal... Uh, Cole Calhoun, if he wasn't on the 60-day DL, you know, he performed well in the shortened season for Arizona, 
uh, very well last year. And he's been great continuing into this year. After that, I you know, there's not a whole ton on this team that stands out. Uh, most of it being younger players. I don't really think they're looking to move forward players who just haven't played bunch much. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd kind of love to see the Indians take a risk on, you know, if you're going to do a deal like Estrubal Carrera, I'd love to see them also add John Duplantier, who high level, this is a guy who was recruited to Princeton to be a quarterback, high level athlete, unfortunately went to Rice where Rice ruins arms and then got to Arizona and that's continued to kind of be his issue. He's gotten hurt a few times. I'd love to see the Indians kind of mess with the mechanics, see what they could do there with him. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my quick dive on Arizona. Again, uh, Marte, I think it's a really interesting, and Carson Kelly as well I think is interesting, but I think we end up having to kind of go lower. Like I think we have to look at more um, the Astrupal Cabreras of the world. Uh, again, I mean, I think a trade for him, A, I mean, it makes maybe the most sense in the world of any possible trade because he can play anywhere on the infield. You get the whole, hey, we're bringing him back home. You get a little bump as he's a known player. And he's making $1.8 million. So by the time you get to like July, it's going to cost you under a million. Like it's going to be cheaper than like what they're pl- going to pay, I believe, Blake Parker now that he's been added to the roster. So it's a really easy ad in that regard. And like I said, it's they win the publicity game with that. So we'll keep that in mind. Uh, we'll come back around. And he had one more question in here. And we'll talk about that uh, before diving into some of the double A numbers this year. So, but first we're going to take a quick break, talk about our sponsors and then dive right back in. So we have fully loaded. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you in part by fully loaded chew. Fully loaded chew is tobacco free long cut and pouches that give you the same pack dip spit and buzz you're used to without tobacco available in nine flavors. Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. Uh, It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All their nicotine pouches are dry, white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. uh, Fully Loaded Chew is offering locked-on team listeners a special. Right now, you can get a can for just a dollar. That's right. Just $1. Go to fullyloadedchew.com and use the promo code locked on just $1 and free shipping. If you use the code locked on checkout, next time you go for dip, make it fully loaded chew, fullyloadedchew.com. And then let's talk about built bar. I love built bar. I eat built bar. I'm currently out of built bar. I've talked about before they sent us a free sample of their grasshopper fudge. It is amazing. I am hoping that that will be their next, uh, deal to come in right now. Their current deal is when you do an order, you get a free uh, travel uh, cooler. So you can go and look and see the amounts, what it would take to get the cooler. I'm sure it is great quality because everything at Built Bar is fantastic quality. Everything they do is great. I'm yet to try a product there that I don't enjoy. Every I've done the broth, I've done the goes, I've done it all. I've tried it all at Built Bar and it has all been fantastic. Even when it's something I don't love, I still eat it because it's still maybe it's not my favorite but nothing is bad. Everything is still enjoyable. Again, when it is good, it is great. So go try a mixed box, see what flavor appeals to you. You'll find out that there is going to be, 
you know, you'll have your own list of favorites, but there is not a bar in the box that is not delicious. Remember that is builtbar.com. You're going to use that promo code locked on 15. That 15% bonus is the same discount you would get if you're a return customer. And I know that because I am a return customer to Built Bar. I keep going back. I love the product so much. I buy it myself. I use my own money on it. It is part of my daily routine. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. So Nate, uh, Nathan Kingsley also mentioned, you know, Mitch Hanniger making a bunch of sense uh, for both teams. Seattle, like, you know, they don't want to pitch it in. They just got Jake Bowers. They're going for it all. Uh, they're going to try to win the whole thing now. I mean, no, I think it would make sense to trade Hanniger. I, I just don't know if they're willing to. I feel like they have a degree of trying to take a step forward this year, and that might stop them from trading him. Uh, the Nationals, I mean, everyone's ready to pick pick the corpse of that Nationals team. It's gone pretty poorly since the World Series appearance for them. Uh, everyone's talking about what's going to happen with Max Scherzer next year. Saw a bunch of Dodgers fans talking about it's going to be fun to have uh, him be a Dodger in a year. Uh, so it's mostly taunting, I feel like. But hey, they've got a World Series. Uh, in my mind, like the last real World Series. Uh, so they, I don't think they really care. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's having one of his best years ever. I kind of left him for dead. He proved me wrong. I don't know if he's someone who would even agree to a trade to go anywhere. He's a 10-5 guy. I believe Juan Soto, they wouldn't want to move. Trey Turner, same story. After that, Schwarber's been average at best. Uh, Hitting-wise, they've just not been great. Uh, You go down the line, and it's a lot of, you know, they went out and traded for Josh Bell. They signed Schwarber. Those guys aren't playing well. They gave Josh Harrison money. It's not that that Harrison and Schwarber are bad, but you're hoping if you spend money to get above league average instead of slightly below. Uh, Pitching-wise, they have interesting pieces. Uh, I don't know if anything's really in the Indians' price range, so I don't know how much is there. And then he just commented uh, the Orioles lineup and some of the fun things there. I agree. That Orioles lineup is a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of fantastic things the Indians could do if they uh, trades that could be done. That that Baltimore lineup is one of my favorite young lineups. When I tweeted about that, someone said, if you could take the Pirates pitching with the uh, Orioles you, uh, young bats, what a team. And I agree 100% especially when you look into the prospects and the minors there. Pardon me one moment. Sorry. Sometimes when you're talking to yourself for 30 minutes, you start to get a little bit parched. So let's talk Akron. The Akron rubber ducks. I have to stop myself um, from not calling them. And now I can't even remember what the old name was, but it's one of those things where it's just like in my head that uh, I, I always kind of stop to think about, okay, what is the name of the Akron team? Because uh, I you know, I mentioned I started with Ken Akron. So let's talk about some interesting guys down here in the early going. Alex Call has been destroying the ball. Uh, for those who don't remember Alex Call, Ball State outfielder who the Indians got in return for Chicago taking on the contract of Yonder Alonso. Uh, still shocked by that deal. We know the White Sox were hoping because he's the brother-in-law of Manny Machado that it might help with their pitch. It didn't. He uh, he still went elsewhere. In fact, the Indians got out from under that contract. is still amazing to me. But Call is uh, 
you know, 333, 404, 557 line, nine doubles, three home runs, seven stolen bases. And he's not the only guy. Trenton Brooks is also 944 OPS, mostly in part to a 438 on base. Uh, what's crazy about Trenton Brooks is he has 20 walks to 18 strikeouts. 507 slugging as well, but he's up there. Richie Palacios, uh, he essentially missed two years because he got hurt. And then the disaster was last year. He's another one of those potential 40-man ads. And I was like, well, he's going to be on the bubble. How will he, However he plays this year is going to be a huge deal. Well, he's hitting 309 with a 412 on base and a 449 slugging. I'm sorry, a 454 slugging. Yeah, that's pretty good. 11 doubles. He leads the team. Uh, shortstop, second baseman, some talk. that He will get some at-bats in the outfield. Do I still have the mad? I do not have the mad thinkers email open right here. Uh, so I'm not going to spend time digging on a podcast because that's not what everyone wants to hear. But, you know, they're, they're trying him in a lot of places. How about Will Benson, former first round pick? Still struggling with contact, 205. But he's got a 410 on base because he has 24 walks in 27 games. And he also has 35 strikeouts. That is not ideal. But a 410 on base, 449 slugging, 858 OPS overall. Oscar Gonzalez. The man who never walks has five walks this year. Leads the team with seven home runs. Uh, he's got a 286, 318, 524. And then the last two guys you have to talk about are really interesting, kind of related prospects. Uh, let's start with Jose Fermin, kind of the forgotten guy in a lot of regards. So far this year, eight strikeouts. 77 at-bats, eight strikeouts. Just think about that one for a moment. Ten walks. 299 batting average, 410 on base, 364 slugging. There isn't any power there, but the bat control for him throughout his entire minor league con- uh, career has been amazing. Might be the best in the Indians minor league system. Uh, he'll be, I'll put it this way. I think Jose Fermin gets taken in the Rule 5 draft. You know, he's played short, he's played second, he's played third. You can play him as an infielder. He has been eligible for the draft for a few years now. I can't see any way they can make space to add him. But if you're a team and he's continuing to do this and Double A, why not? Why wouldn't you grab him? And then Ty Freeman, let's probably end with him. 333 average, 390 on base, 444 slugging, 834 OPS. Now, he does have only five walks this year. I talked about Oscar Gonzalez as the player who never walks, and he has as many as Ty Freeman. And that's always kind of just my concern is I, I understand he's been you know, a man on fire is destroying double A uh, is kind of the story, but the, he's still kind of a one tool guy. And I just, I will always be nervous about one tool contact hitters. You know, that was Jeremy Mejia and we've seen how that's gone. That was Owen Miller. And so far it's been a struggle to adjust. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not saying that he is a very good prospect and he's playing better than Miller did at this point about on par with Mejia, but is a profile that just as in a, someone who watches a lot of this stuff, it makes me a little nervous. Uh, I'm statistically like I'm more interested in like not more like Trenton Brooks is what he's doing is really interesting. And he's not really a him and Alex call aren't going to get added to the roster, but like Richie Palacios, is Will Benson is having the best year of his career. I don't know what's going on in Akron uh, for a place that is normally not pitcher friendly. Uh, the negative side, Bo Naylor really struggling down there. He has had his 160, 276, 267, 
not ideal. 34 strikeouts. That's one less than Benson. Uh, ben Benson, though, I believe has, yeah, has more at bats. So that that's not great, but the rest of the hitters there are just, it's been a show almost weekly, almost daily, I should say. Uh, so go check out those Akron rubber ducks. It should be a fun experience. If you can get that chance, we're over. I, I spent too much time on double uh, a and everything else. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter 